Hello and welcome to Here's Johnny's Reviews, the movie review podcast that'll slice and dice or praise and hype a movie each and every month as a thing. However, not this month it isn't. No funny names, no funky names, nothing. It's just Nick Cage movies. Movies that I have never seen before. First up, I'm doing Knowing from 2009. Oh my god, here we go. I'm going to see if this guy can do anything other than bug nuts insane movies. Oh, here we go. <clears throat> and also, as I've said, I have never seen this one. All I know is this has a lot of crazy shit attached to it. Such as a college professor finds a box buried underground that has dates written on paper. These dates are, dis- are dates of disasters and he thinks the end of the world is going to happen. Okay. Anyway, let's just dive into this piece of garbage, shall we? With its $50 million a budget, this thing pulled in $183 million. Starring Nicolas Cage, Rose Byrne, Chandler Canterbury and Liam Helmsworth. Directed by Alex Payer. I think I've his name. The plot, a MIT professor digs up a time capsule 50 years after it was buried. Inside he discovers a list of dates written down on paper by a kindergarten, I think it was, or middle school person, I thought she was. These dates are attached to every disaster that happened since 1959 to modern day. Can he stop the ultimate disaster? Find out a year. So, after the logos and its weird-ass fucking titles opened, we're introduced onto a little girl who hears voices in her head. It's 1959, Massachusetts. We see... A brand new middle school opened, yet it has a full roster of pupils. How the fuck does that one work? Can you know This little girl is Lucinda, played by Laura Robinson. She's called in by her teacher after a break, but she ignores her. And she hears whispers and voices and such, and it's all supposed to be sounds like, oh, spooky. Inside class, we find out the teacher is Miss Taylor, played by Danielle Carter. She tells her class that even though the next day the school is opening, why the fuck's there a full class then? They have won a competition to bury a time capsule to be opened in 50 years' time. <laughs> Wouldn't you know it? To be a kid that stares right into the fucking sun, that hears voices, has won, and will fill up with all sorts of crap. She then explains what and how a time capsule works. Saying in 50 years' time, it'll be opened, so they must draw what they think the future will be. Okay then, moving the fuck right on, because this is a tour bloody well movie. So the kids get a drawing, all but Lucinda, who just writes down a string of random numbers. Next day, the head teacher buries the time capsule. Just as this is happening, Lucinda vanishes into thin air. As that night, cops search for her and find her in a cupboard in the basement with all ten nails scratched off with a string of numbers scratched into the wood door what the actual fuck movie we're only five minutes fucking in and this shit happens oh here we go from space do we see earth as it zoomed onto america and down to boston it's 2009 the camera zooms onto john kitzler played by Nicholas Cage, and his son Caleb, played by Chandler Canterbury, as they are just sitting there stargazing, as you do. Caleb asks if they've ever found life on other planets. His father says no, not yet, then tells him that the chances are impossible. Should not be improbable, actually, not impossible. To which Chandler tells him there's 10 million Earth-like planets, and 4 million of them are the same age as Earth. 
So yet another super duper smart fucking kid down. Who the fuck writes this crap? This shit has been going on since the fucking early 80s. And I'm sick of it to be honest. Most kids are beyond stupid today. But no. Hollywood seems to have these kids as uber intelligent. Look at the fucking stranger kids kids for crying out loud. Oh my god. It's a complete utter fucking joke. But moving the hell on. Oh yes, and now, out of the blue, Kilp says he's a vegetarian. If this was written today, this could be, be a she, or non-gender, it would be a vegan, not vegetarian, and he would have an IQ of 160 fucking four. Plus he would be a major know-it-all that don't need no help fixing anything, then saves a day last minute, and uh, of course they're super rich because of course they are, and for fuck's sake, who wrote this garbage? Anyway. God almighty. Well past this fucking little shit's bedtime, he's watching a Blue Planet like documentary about, I don't know what the hell is, leopards feeding each other, eating each other, and hell it is. When his dad tells him to turn it off, this little shit starts to talk back at him and talks to him like he was a fucking idiot. Isn't he supposed to be an M MIT professor? They're the smartest of the smart. Fuck this pandering writing crap. Anyway. Out of nowhere, Cage throws in, quote, When I said we were alone up there, I never met in heaven. What the fuck? Where in the fuck did that come from? He mentioned nothing about God or heaven or hell or religion at all. He was talking about the chances of finding life on other planets. Where the fuck did this Rogers crap come from? Honest to God, one minute they're talking about the chances of life on other planets. Next is heaven and hell. Talk about going out of fucking left fucking fields. Science and religion do not fucking well mix. Anyway, once this little shit is tucked in, Caleb removes his hearing aid. Where the hell did that one come from also? I mean... Downstairs, we're listening to Beethoven's 7th. Kaitzler gets drunk on scotch. If I'm right, that's the same piece of music that was placed on a gold disc on Voyager. Or Voyager. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Next day at MIT, we find out Cout... Kautzler, or Kautzler, that's his fucking name, is a professor teaching determinatives. I can't fucking say that word right. Uh, determinatism, I can't fucking say that word right. And moving on. In his class is Spencer, played by Liam Helmsworth, his very first movie role. All for fucking two seconds, moving on hell on. Anywho, Kautzler asked the class to explain how our son is perfect so we, on Earth, can thrive. Uh... Wait, I'm in here. I thought he believed in heaven and God. So why the fuck isn't he teaching criticism? I can't figure that right either. I mean, shouldn't he be teaching man made God and snapped his finger? Sorry, God made man and snapped his finger and blah, 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 blah. And it was all done within seven days. La, la, la. Not fucking evolution and that malarkey. Moving the fuck right on. A college professor comes in and he is Professor Beckman, played by Ben Mendelsohn. To ask him... To dinner as part of a blind date, kind of, but Ketchner runs off to be with Caleb's school because there's something about his wife died years earlier and he just wants to, I have no idea, just, just run with this bit. Something about he's been alone for years but his wife died and left him with a kid and the kid is disconnected and the house is a mess and blah 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 blah, moving on. It's time casual day at the school. Miss Taylor, now played by uh, Agatha uh, McGrath is there to open said capsule and she was there the one to bury it. She hands out envelopes and what do you know it's little Caleb gets Lucinda's. What are the fucking chances? I swear to god this is like a bad horror movie. 
Anyway, he runs off to open it and reads the letter. Seconds later, he hears whispers and would you know it, someone's watching him. He is The Stranger, played by DG Maloney. That night at home, Caleb complains his hearing aid is acting up, then asks if he can go to a sleepover that weekend. Kelsner finds out Caleb stole the letter he got from and read it, and there's a string of numbers. And apparently, this guy can understand everything about the thing, because of course he can. But I mean, this little boy's IQ level just drops, and it's just forgotten all about it because he suddenly becomes a zombie like thing and goes with all these weird fucking people. Moving on. Caleb claims it may mean something or be a map to buried treasure. Of course he does. Later, Caleb is watching a video of his mother singing to him a nursery rhyme to go to sleep when he's much, much younger. So the mother's dead. Karen, I swear to God, if this is contact, I am fucking done. Downstairs, his dad gets drunk on yet more scotch. In his drunken state, he sees a pattern in the string of numbers. And boom! The end is nigh! Who the f- Fuck, wrote this shit. The first numbers he sees are 9112996. And he goes to the little Mac, the Apple Mac type thing, and finds out it's 10th 11th, where 2,896 people sadly died. So, in a more drunken state, he writes down more dates and finds out every date has a disaster attached to him for the past 50 years. Next day, Caleb finds his dad has ripped off the wall a whiteboard because of course he has and he's written all these weird numbers down the whiteboard but by the way this whiteboard just disappears and this whole computer stuff science stuff just disappears for a religious angle towards the end just out of fucking left field later dropping Caleb off at school Caleb tells his dad he's a little awkward a little bit off today uh, he should still be drunk if he's drunk all night a full bottle of scotch so why the fuck is he driving his fucking pickup truck next bloody well day. He should still be legally drunk. Anywho, at the MIT Haystack Observatory, Kelsler shows his workings to Professor Beckman, who of course doesn't want to believe him due to Kesner acting a bit off. You've been fucking bug nuts insane. He shows him a print off of a website page detailing the day his wife died. It turns out in these magical numbers it had his wife's death for some fucking reason. He then writes that Beckman, this is real, not a fucking joke. It's all real. Okay then, this is the start of the bug nuts cage I'm here for. Beckman tells him ever since he lost his wife several months earlier, he's been a little bit off. Maybe he's reading too much into this, yeah, fucking think. With that, Ketzler storms off to visit Miss Taylor to ask about the little girl that wrote the letter, i.e. Lucinda. She tells him the story of the day Lucinda went missing after the time capsule was buried. Then he tells him Lucinda is long dead. By the way, she must be in her, what, 80s with Trementa, but she recognises this little girl and remembers everything just like that, you know. Mm. Later that day, as Caleb is outside kicking a football, Ketzner is on the phone trying to get the names of the men who opened up the the hole to get the tin cups out. Again, this goes fucking nowhere. It's just dropped. Meanwhile, two men in black pull up outside the house and give him a stone and then just drive off. Again, these stones go nowhere. With that, Ketzner goes out to try to figure out what the hell happened. Then he goes back to his Mac to find out when Lucinda died. We find out that it was 1988. Ketzner's sister then jump scares him. She is Grace, played by Nadia Townsend, a completely useless character who goes nowhere. 
He is estranged from her and his parents, and indeed the relationship is very frosty for reasons. Turns out he's a son of a pastor because religion and science don't mix. God, this movie's terrible. Kessner is mad at him because he blames God for his wife's dead. Death, rather. Uh, this is pathetically shit fucking writing. Later at night, while drinking more scotch, because of course he is, do we see Kitzler flicking through the news channels on one we hear of a solar flare due to hit Earth in the next few days. Also a fire and oil rig that killed no one because Kitzler looking for the 88, was it 81 deaths or some shit like that, but uh, who cares. Next morning, he's awakened by telephone. No, wait, it's late afternoon. Caleb calls him from the school to say he is on the afternoon carpool. Kessner said he'll be there in 10 minutes again. Should he be driving? No, he was up to 3.30 in the morning drinking scotch. He should still be fucking technically pissed. A thunderstorm rolls in, uh, stuck in traffic. An airplane crash lands near Kessler's car. Kessler runs to see if he can help any of the cybers. There's a man on fire, but he just runs off. Kessler then tries to help at least three people before being run off by police. What the fuck is this final destination shite? Oh, by the way, there's a part where Kessner is standing next to a fucking spinning engine. Should be sucked in, turned into fucking confetti. Moving on. Returning home later at night, we find out Grace watching on the news that four planes crash landed on the exact same day. God, the plane that crashed next to Kessler had 81 deaths on board, or dead people, or whatever. In a state of shock, Kessler sits down to tell Caleb no TV straight to bed after he does his homework. But the little shit starts to start Mark talk his father, demanding to watch at least one hour of TV for beds. Fuck off. Wait, hold on a second here. You're trying to say to me he saw not only the plane crash mere feet from his truck, but people burning up alive and dying at his fucking feet, and medics let him go. Utter fucking bullshit. Moving the fuck right on. Later, the MIB shop again and drive past as Professor Beckman arrives to check on Kessner, who shows him more numbers and indeed more dates. Now in deep shock, we're not going back more scotch because of course he is, he tells Professor Beckman numbers are warnings for him and there's two more accidents going to happen. So it's science versus faith? As Professor Beckman leaves, the stranger watches on from the woods. Later that night, Caleb awakes from his sleep to see a stranger in his room watching him, pointing at him, and whispers sounds around him. Then a flash of red light appears. It's the sun burning the planet. As a forest burns, Caleb sees all sorts of animals burning. And indeed running from the lives, and I love the fact there's a fucking gigantic moose on fire and terrible CGI. And this is a warning, the planet's going to burn. So this feels like a rejected FL script, then just stretched stretch to two hours. I mean, this is fucking shite. Caleb screams as speaks up his father, who runs up to see if he's okay. As outside in the woods, the strangers are still watching on. Spooky. Uh, so Kessner chased him off of a baseball bat. Next day, Kessner hunts down Lucinda, finding her sister and niece, Diana, played by Rose Byrne, the sister, and Abby, played by Laura Robinson, the niece. So she's playing Lucinda and her own niece, Kaden. He follows him all day, and then meets him at a museum, where Caleb talks to Ad Abby, and Kitzner talks to Ad Diana. 
the four awkwardly talk over coffee as Kitzner asked her outright if Diana's uh, was made insane by the voices or was she indeed psychic. He then pulls out her mother's letter and explains what's happening. He then rants and rants and rants at her when she wants to get away and he stops her every fucking turn. Yeah, love, run, bitch, run! Back home, Kitzner has bought a gun. The fuck? Later that night, the stranger has a dozen more clones of himself all surrounding the house watching from the woods. Kessner then map quest coordinates at the next attack and then calls the feds to warn them where, where and when the attack will happen. Who the fuck wrote this turkey? Next morning, Kessner dumps Caleb with his sister and with that he drives into town to be the exact place he told the FBI to be. It's a subway station. Kitzner screams at a cop as he spots the FBI and runs for it. What the fuck? Who wrote this garbage? They chase him into the subway and then onto a subway station which is absolutely fucking mobbed. It's always a train by the way. He then spots someone acting suspicious so gives chase straight onto another train. So cops spot him and give chase. Who in the fuck wrote this tripe? Turns out the suspicious guy Kitzner was chasing stole DVDs and not carrying a bomb. Although if they're Nick Cage movies they might be. More fantastic shit as the subway train speeds off the track and then plows straight into the one Kitzner is on. Kitzler is of course safe as the train plows through the the train on the station then jumps onto the platform and kills dozens of people. <sighs> Is this Final Destination Meets X-Files or rejected scripts? I mean who the fuck wrote this turkey? Oh dear god I just looked it up. This is the same man that bought us such greats as Boogeyman 2005, Ouija and Possession. The fucking Jewish exorcist ripoff. Strip these people of their rating cards now! God almighty, back to this piece of shit. The survivors are injured as they escape the subway in a cloud of dust and bloods as EMTs lead them out. Kessner then walks out stunned, dazed and zombie-like, covered in dust unharmed. Bullshit! That fucking subway train ploughed right past his head. He should be fucking dead. As news reports the crash plus other incidents across the globe, shit is hitting the fan big time. Kitzner picks up Caleb from his sister as outside his home he finds Dana and Abby waiting for them. Okay then, how the fuck does she know about how he lives? Who cares? The kids connect as Diana tells Kitzner that her mother told her she would die on the 9th of October 2009, the next day. Or a few days later. So Kitzner drives them out of town. Where are they going? Why... Are these two suddenly lovers? How did the kids become so buddy-buddy so quick? Who gives a fuck? This is bad writing 101. In the middle of nowhere, Diana shows Kitzler a trailer? Fault shelter? What the fuck is this garbage? And wait, out of absolute fucking nowhere, here's Diana's backstory. When she was nine, her mother died due to suicide. However, before that they lived in a trailer in the middle of nowhere, uh, the one they're in and now actually. Her father took her from her mother shortly before she killed herself after she told him she would hear voices and hear horrible things telling about the future and indeed how the earth is doomed. So you tell her to try to say to me like, this guy dated her, fucked her, had a kid with her and not once did he notice she 
was a little bit off for nine years. Say it with me here, children. Bad fucking rating. Bad movie. Bad everything. Oh my god. Kit Snort searches a trailer and finds a room full of newspaper clippings. All of instance from 1959 to 1988. Also a drawing of God's Chariot. Okay, I'm done. God's Chariot. Like Noor's fucking arc. Write it in. This movie has went well off the fucking rails. Let me get this straight here. Caleb and Abby are the new Adam and Eve. They're supposed to restart the human race once the sun burns the planets. Fuck it. Um, done. The strangers are aliens or indeed angels. It's not clear. They take Caleb and Abby away on a spaceship just before the sun dry roasts the earth with a sun flare. Taken to some god only knows where planet to learn from the tree of knowledge with the other quote chosen children as the earth burns. Who wrote this crap? It feels like the shit from Final Destination and the crap mess of the X Files were distilled to its purest utter crap. And then it had a baby with a Scientologist. This is fucking beyond shit. Why is it? Fucking taking itself so bloody well. Seriously, this is a campy B-movie. Yes, I like it's fucking Citizen Kane. The acting is way OTT. The CGI is beyond shit. The music is way too much. And the script is utter garbage. Cage is running like a fucking madman with a gun. I lost my shit when he pulls a gun on a stranger. It then hits him with a beam of light. Who the fuck takes this shit seriously? I mean, I was on the floor... Pissing myself with laughter. This is utterly ridiculous. They're supposed to take this shit seriously. I mean, let's just score this piece of garbage out of 10. I'm going to think a minus 10 out of 10. Utter shit. Hilarious, ridiculous and dumb. But for all the fucking wrong reasons. Far too full of itself. Crap and utterly awful fucking paint by numbers shite writing. Piss poor CGI, way OTT fucking acted, and just painful to fucking watch. The pseudoscience in this thing is fucking mind-numbingly boggling. Jesus Christ, science versus faith. Faith wins. Oh, whatever. Avoid this fucking turkey. Oh my god. Anyway, thank you for listening. Don't forget to like, share, comment and subscribe. Also follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod. And email me my suggestions too. Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com Next week, continuing Cage Month, will be Pay the Ghost. Then the rest of the month will be Car Out of Space and Season of the Witch. God, help me. Check out my other horror podcast of Aliens, Predator. House, Resident Evil, Final Destination, and many, many more. Also, my solo podcast of The Mist, The Thing, The Fog, Prince of Darkness, and more. Eh, bye. And remember, I watch these bad movies, I don't have to. I don't have to watch the fucking happening. I'm much more better than this piece of shit, plus it's funnier. Bye.